Hello, good morning, Living World Fellowship. Good morning, Singapore. Majuna Singapura. I'm so glad and happy, thrilled that after long years, I'm able to speak to you again and what a wonderful opportunity it is that we are able to do this. I was having a conversation with Brother Will in last week in the beginning of this week, as a matter of fact, I've been having some health issues. I tried to record actually as early as Sunday evening here in our time here when after we came from church and then uh, there's some kind of a tightening in my as you can see i'm still recovering from my stroke and you can see there's a droopiness in my lip lips my face and there will be moments where when i speak i would stutter and maybe perhaps uh, i would like to seek your understanding a little bit later on because i might be stuttering later on but I'm trying to explain to you that that's the reason, especially to Pastor Ruel, that probably he was a bit worried because uh, it's only now that I'm going to do this recording, seeing it to you, it's quite late. Because I've been trying, really, but I've been having difficulty in my speech, and I would not want to be always be stuttering. And I tried to record it earlier Sunday evening, but I just couldn't do it. And then yesterday, I tried to do it also, Something went wrong with my laptop here. And so I have to go back. I, I mean, I, I have to go and buy another laptop. So the laptop actually that I'm using right now is quite pretty new. Although I've been desiring that, that one day, at least I will visit Singapore again, especially you guys, because there's a lot of memories that we had there for almost like 70 years, 17 years of ministry that we had there. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I tried to schedule it to be there, but somehow because of this pandemic, it, it, the plan was put aside. And again, I was planning to really will come face to face and I was actually communicating, communicating with Pastor Albert Khan that maybe perhaps I might be able to visit him also in Malaysia and also with Pastor Alvin Tan. And it's quite settled, you know, this idea by all means, you can always be here. And so, but this is what happened. But at any rate, I'm so glad that although there's some kind of limitation that we had where we are not able to speak face to face, but at least there is this modern technology that I'm able to see you and talk to you in this manner by a recording. So I'm so happy and thank you, Pastor Will, for the opportunity that in your 25 years of anniversary, at least in the 25th year, uh, I'm able to share from the word of God to you again. Now, in the in the beginning of our ministry, we struggled a little bit, quite a, a lot, especially so that uh, I realized that there's a lot of circumstances that is that is uh, a distraction, if I might put it that way. Uh, for the evangelization of many of the domestic for the, the day off, something like that, in a lot of the temptation that's happening along Orchard Road or Lucky Plaza, that kind of thing. But we thank God because the group of people were so, so excited to share asymptomatic. I did not teach them anything at all. I just told them, why don't you invite your friends? Invite your friends. And what I only provided with them was a flyer that I will usually print it our our printer at the church office and give it to them where this it announces the schedule that there's such a gathering Filipinos at Hyatt Hotel. And and they did that. They would go out every morning at La Plaza or Chadron, inviting people. And that's how our church started. And we became the largest Filipino congregation in Singapore. So that's a little bit of my history that we have. There's a lot of things to say about it, but uh, that's the humble beginning of our fellowship. I have written what I'm going to share to you this morning, and you will perhaps be looking at me, and if my eyes are a little bit looking a little bit not directly to you, that is because I'm trying to look at my notes here, because I've written the scripts that I'm going to preach to you this morning, 
uh, and the reason why I did that because of my physical predicament. Well, sometimes there are places where where I, I stutter, but I'm hoping and praying that there will be not much stuttering when I'm going to share to you. But just that, just for you to understand, if somehow I lose eye contact with you uh, once in a while. All right. So I'd like you to please. I'd like to share to you uh, this morning a particular passage of scripture in the book of Revelations, chapter two, verse one to five. Revelation chapter two, verse one to five. I'll be reading to you in the new. Living translation, the NLT. All right, but uh, our text this morning for consideration is found in the book of Revelation, chapter two, verse uh, verse one, all the way to verse number seven. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work in your patience, endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or its other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the work you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. But this is your this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, in, in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, we find seven letters to the seven churches at Asia Minor. These seven churches represent and are symbols of all the churches, churches rather, of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the centuries. The messages to the seven churches are not limited only to the seven localities. Rather, John was given a prophetic pen and the Lord inspired him to write messages that would apply to the church of every age. Now, the number seven in the Bible is a number of completeness, universality, and totality. These are messages to the complete church, therefore, to the whole church by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you take these seven messages together, they constitute one of the most incisive, penetrating exhortation to be found in the New Testament. Many of the evils that are in the churches today are a direct outgrowth of neglect of the solemn instruction given to the seven churches. The church at Ephesus was the first to receive a letter. A straight sail of 60 miles will carry the postal worker from Patmos to the port of Ephesus that sat at the mouth of the Kister River. Ephesus was one of the truly great cities of the ancient world. However, Ephesus was also a very, very wicked city. It was here at Ephesus where religion and magic were hopelessly mingled. It was here at Ephesus that the tidal wave of idolatry swept all over the city. Ephesus was a city that was given to the worship of the goddess Diana. There was a temple built there for Diana. It was so beautiful, so magnificent, so that it was healed as the seventh wonder of the ancient world. The temple was 20 feet, 420 feet long 
in 220 feet wide and it had 120 pillars in each of which was 60 feet high and many of these pillars were inlaid with gold and precious stones at Ephesus there was the darkness of Paul's religion which covered that city. Yet God has a New Testament church there that had been founded by the great apostle Paul. And the church now was in her second generation of believers, those who had come for the 30 years since the apostle Paul ministered there. Now, living with fellowship, brothers and sisters, we learn some very, very important lesson from, from this church, excuse me. We learn that a love so right can turn out to be so wrong. We learn that a fatal witness can destroy faithful works. And we learn also that a regular activity is useless when married to a ruined attitude. The title of my message to you, Living Room Fellowship Singapore is this, when you live your first love, or when, when the joy of serving the Lord is gone, when the trail is gone. First of all, I would like to call your attention in this passage of scripture, the compliment, compliment of the Lord Jesus Christ to the church of Ephesus. The compliment of Jesus Christ to the church of Ephesus. Christ, if you notice in your Bible, in verses two and three, begins by complimenting the church at Ephesus. He commended them first of all on the basis of their service. He says, I know your works, labor and patience. Now, if you look at the word works, labor and patience, these are words that are indicative of service. You say the church of Ephesus was not just a country club of Christians. It was not just a social center of the poor believers. The church at Ephesus was serving working church. You see, brothers and sisters, this is not, if you look at the passage here, this is not the evaluation of the deacons or the words of the pastor. These are the words in evaluation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Christ is saying to the church at Ephesus, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Jesus is commending the church at Ephesus on the basis of their service. Very interesting because when I look, we look at the word labor, the word labor that was used here means literally to toil. It means strenuous activity to the point of exhaustion. I tell you what was going on at Ephesus. They were winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were actively fulfilling the great commission. They were baptizing people. They were preaching and teaching the word of God. It was a working, serving church. That is what the church should be, isn't it? The church should be filled with people that are serving, that are working, that are laboring, and they are all, they, they, our church should be filled with Toiling Christians, ministering Christians. I got the saying that says, you see, really, Christians should not wear out, should 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 rather wear out, not rust out. And I hope that is the case for many of us. We'd rather wear out, not rusted out. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, 24, there is a verse that actually has become my mantra in all of my services in my ministry. It says here, God for me, that I should bring unto thee burnt offerings of which it does not cost me nothing. The way I understand this passage is this, your work for the Lord should cost you something. Did you hear me? When David said, God forbid that I should bring unto thee burnt offering of which it does not cost me nothing. I carried that in, as my philosophy in the ministry where our work for the Lord should cost us something. But sad to say, brothers and sisters, 
the lifetime effort of many Christians wouldn't even exhaust a butterfly. You see, brothers and sisters, hear me now. This is what we need to do. We are not saved just to sit in the grandstand. We are saved to get out in the game. Are you following me? We are not saved not only just to ride the gospel wagon. We have been saved to heal push the gospel wagon. We have not been saved to just eat the cluster of grapes in the vineyard. We have been saved to help in their cultivation. In other words, your service, your labor, your work for the Lord should cost you something. You know what? It is a wonderful thing to have a serving, working, laboring church, isn't it? Now the question is, could Jesus commend the Living Word Fellowship Singapore that way? You are, God would say, I look, I'm looking at you right now. You are serving, working, laboring church. Because that is what a church should be. That is, that is what the church at Ephesus was. And I hope that that is what the Lord would say to you. Living World Fellowship, he would say, I know your work, Living World Fellowship. You are a serving church. But of course, the message here is not just for the church collectively, but also to us individually. And my prayer is that Jesus Christ will commend you, Laura, will commend you, Pastor Ruel, will commend you, whoever, whatever is your name right now, that way. That when God look us, uh, looks at our lives individually, God will commend us and say, Lord, I know your services. Oh, I pray that Jesus could say to you, I know you, you are a serving Christian. You are a laboring Christian. You are a toiling Christian. I know you are a soul winner. You are a person that gets out there at Lucky Plaza or Orchard Road or even to your neighborhood. You feel the Filipinos, Kababayan, and you get their names, and then you work on them, you work in them, and you invite and keep on inviting them, although there will be rejection sometimes, but you keep on working and working them until they become Christians. I hope that you are a serving church. The next thing that I notice here is this that they were the next commendation that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to this in, in verses. In the two verses, verse two and three, the next thing is that the, the Jesus Christ, rather, did not only commend them on their service, but secondly, he commends them on the basis of their steadfastness. They were steadfast. He said that they were patient. That was not a word that describes facility. Rather, it is a word that denotes courageous gallantry in the face of hardship. That is exactly the way it was at Ephesus. There were a group of courageous Christians. They were probably going to the temple of Diana on a Saturday morning. They were passing out tracts, doing personal evangelism. Oh, they were preaching and teaching and winning souls for the kingdom. They were a steadfast group of Christians. They were courageous in the face of hardship. Or maybe there will be times that when they talk to people or they will hand out trucks, if I might say, these trucks, whatever reading materials that will be given to these people on a Saturday morning outside the temple of Diane, it, they would probably tear outright, tear this reading material right in front of them. Or probably there will be people that might curse them. Okay. But the next Saturday morning, they would never be discouraged at all. They would be back again, winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the way this church was at Ephesus. And that is exactly what God wants the Living Word Fellowship and even the church I'm pastoring now, now should be. That is the way how we also as an individual Christian should be. We should be steadfast. No matter what people say to us, no matter what other Filipinos would say to us, when we go at Orchard Road to evangelize them, we will keep on reaching out and reaching out to them. I think those of you who have been with me since the beginning of the foundation of, 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 of the Living World Fellowship, you know 
this story that we all have in, you know, that when you go out at Orchard Road in the beginning of our, our, uh, uh, our evangelization, the word, you, I always schedule you to go there before 10 o'clock service at Hyatt Hotel, that you go invite people, you go and distribute people, you, uh, you are, you are uh, there group by two by two or, or three by three. And you would come up with different, uh, uh, with different attitude that our people Tababayan has shown to all of you. And there were those who even would say, oh, it's difficult, it's so discouraging. But we didn't stop. We keep on doing what we need to do. And we praise God, we were patient. You were steadfast. There were steadfast people, detracting ministry. That's what we call these people. And we were able to meet a lot of people who are professionals, not only working as domestic helpers there, and they were brought to our church. That's why the, the number of professional people who are in their church started to grow as well, because there were steadfast people who were not discouraged. They remained strong in spite of the odds. They keep on witnessing and witnessing at Orchard Road. And brothers and sisters, this is the kind of church that Jesus wants to compliment. He complimented a state pastor. He will compliment. He is so happy with somebody who is a state pastor Christian. A church that is courageous even in the face of hardship. Well, I tell you folks, anyone can serve him when everything is going fine. Anyone can serve him when the showers of blessings are falling down upon them or upon us. But not everyone can serve him when the rain comes and they are not good rains. Not everyone can serve him when there is drought. Not everyone can serve him when the blessings do not seem to be falling frequently. Brothers and sisters, Christ commends the steadfast church and the steadfast Christian. Are you a steadfast church? Are you a steadfast Christian? Are you a solo winner? Someone has said that, that a Christian could either be a solo winner or a backslider. And I, 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 I believe that. I believe that the first that the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ is tarry even up to now with all of this happening in the world is so that we will win more people to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ before the rapture comes. Now, I, I'm just wondering, as I'm speaking to you right now, that as we have, who have entered the next millennium, 2022, the next year, the question that I'd like to ask is this, how many people did you, as a Christian, lead to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? As a living world fellowship as a whole, how many, many Christians did you baptize last year? How many doors or how many people at Lucky Plaza did you go and speak to it witness? Oh, how many or how many of you can say I have won, won this number of people for the Lord Jesus Christ in the year 2021. And if you did, I pray, I pray for the Living Word Fellowship. If you have been winning in your baptismal power, have been stirred during the past year, I pray that you will continue to be a soul winning church because there are people who are willing to go out there in spite of the odds because they are steadfast in serving the Lord. You know what? I would like to illustrate the, illustrate the Christian life in the Olympics 4 by 4 relay, where there will be four runners that will be running with a baton in their hands, and they have to run, the first runner would have to run the first 100 meter dash as fast as he can, and then pass the baton to the second runner, which would run the second lead also, and they pass into the third runner, and third runner to the fourth runner. I believe that that is the same way with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that once you receive the message, you have to run as fast as you could and pass the message to the person that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God is calling us to be soul winners. God is calling us to love those who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
not only your relatives, but anybody, but most of all, your Jerusalem. That is your relatives, your loved ones. You've got to love them to the maximum and win them for the Lord Jesus Christ as much as you can. I hope that will be your desire and ambition for the coming 2022. You see, there's a lot of churches. Listen to me now. There's a lot of churches that choose to fossilize. Did you hear me? There's a lot of churches that choose to fossilize rather than evangelize. What do I mean by that? Sunday after Sunday, people come and adorn the suffuse of satisfaction. Sunday after Sunday, the baptismal pool remains unstirred. You know what they enjoy? They enjoy TikToks, they enjoy programs, they enjoy propaganda, they enjoy all these wonderful things while people are dying without the Lord. And you know what we do? We build this philosophical sign. We do not do it physically, but we do it philosophically. We erect, we erect this philosophical sign outside our church that says, come on in sinners and be saved. I want to tell you, God has called us to take the gospel to them. The Great Commission said, go and make disciples. That's what the, the Lord wants us to do. And then thirdly, the church as Ephesus was a serving church. Number two is steadfast church. And thirdly, they were a separated church. He says here in this verse, you cannot bear those who are evil. And you try those who say they are apostles and are not, and you found them to be liars. Let me repeat that. This is what happened to this church. You cannot bear those who are evil. You try those who say they are apostles, and you and are not, and you found them liars. They were a separated church. They have a holy abhorrence of those who are morally bad or evil. They tried those who claim to be apostles, but they are not. They found them liars and absolutely repudiated them. You see, the Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian elders about the invasion of false teachers. He said to them, what's out now? Because fierce wolves shall come not sparing the flock. Well, I tell you, brothers and sisters, those wolves have come and deceptive teachers have penetrated the sheepfold, but they absolutely were able to discern them and they repudiated them. It was a separated church. That is the kind of church that our Lord Jesus Christ commands, a separated church. And when I'm looking at this in analyzing all of this characteristic of the church of Ephesus, I said, oh, what a church this is, Ephesus. It, was, it is a serving church. It is a steadfast church. It is a separated church. What the church Ephesus is, Humanly speaking, honestly, this, got, this has got to be a five-star church. Not the deacon, not the pastor, but Christ is the one complementing the church. Now listen to me now, brothers and sisters. It is not so much what man says, but what the Lord says about our churches. Did you hear me? It, not, it is not so much what man says, but what the Lord says about our churches. It is not so much what man says about us, but what the Lord says about us. Remember that. I hope that we are more concerned of what the Lord says about us than what other people says about us. Oh, Jesus commands the church at Ephesus. What a church. To be honest with you, if the church would have been existing today, today, that would be the kind of church probably a lot of people would go to. But if we could stop here, the church is everywhere. It is a serving church. It is a state-based church. It is a separate church. And these are all words coming from the Lord Jesus Christ, a compliment from the Lord Jesus Christ, not from the superintendent, not from the deacons, but from Jesus himself. He says, Ephesus, you are a serving church. You are a state-based church. 
you are a separated. Oh, I would see if I'm listening to that. As an outsider, I would say, wow, what a church. And we, if we could just stop the, if he will say, that church as Ephesus is wonderful, it's great. But we have to move on in our reading. Interestingly, if we look at it after the compliment of the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes now in verse number four with the complaint. The second point I'd like to share to you is, what is the complaint of the Lord Jesus Christ here? It says in verse four, nevertheless, I have something against thee, for thou hast left your first love. And I was looking at this particular verse and I said to myself, this has got to be one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left your first love. Now listen to me very carefully. Every virtue carries within itself seeds of its own destruction. Here was one of the greatest churches we find anywhere. And yet the king penetrating eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, looking at church at Ephesus, finds a fatal fault and says, nevertheless, I have something against thee. You will notice that if you have the King James Version, the word somewhat is italicized. Those of you who in the King James Version, it's, it does not originally appear in the Greek text. The word of Jesus Christ was literally stronger than that. He said, nevertheless, I am against you. Nevertheless, I am against you because you have left your first love. The church at Ephesus now, Christ, you notice, is been two verses complimenting them. You are, a, you are a serving church. You are a steadfast church. You are a separate church. So he uses two verses to compliment them. I know your works. I know your labor. You are a separate church. You are a serving church. He commended them. But what is wrong with the church at Ephesus? They have been working ardently. They have been serving relentlessly. They have been laboring tirelessly. Yet this one last David consumed all the credit he has given them. He said, nevertheless, I am against you. What happened? Are you listening? Nevertheless, I'm against you. What happened? With all of the previous compliments, what happened to them? Listen, and you look at your Bible. They have fallen, the reason was, they have fallen out of love with Jesus. Did you hear that? They had fallen out of love with Jesus. Maybe there's something that you don't, don't, don't quite understand yet. How could it be that they have fallen out of Jesus? Now, follow me carefully and continue to listen to me. They have fallen out of love with Jesus. And the question is that I ask you tonight is this, have you fallen out of love with Jesus? Now, before you answer that, I want you to understand that this is a very subtle area. Please understand that the question should be answered because this is a very subtle area. It is subtle because it can happen although you are being, you are doing everything outwardly as you should be doing. It can happen while you are preaching the gospel and thousands are being saved. It can happen if you are a great singer and you can sing the lights down. It can happen Although you are a tremendous Bible teacher or a scholar, it can happen although you are one who can inspire hundreds and hundreds of people. <coughs> it can happen. It is amazing how much you can do for the Lord without really being in love with the Lord. Have you fallen out of love with Jesus tonight, this morning? You have to understand Ephesus was doing outwardly what they should be doing. And yet the Lord Jesus said, I am against you. You know what happened? You know what happened to the church of Ephesus? Listen to me very carefully. Very careful. They have the purity 
but they did not have the passion. They have the labor, but they did not have the love. They have the duty, but they did not have the devotion. They have the message, but they missed the meaning. They are the head, but not the heart. They are the service, but not the spirit. They are practice, but not prayer. They are separation, but not inspiration. They are justification, but not joy. They had regeneration, but not rejuvenation. They are the souls, soul winning, but not the soul steering. They are the popular, but not the powerful. They are the human appeal, but not heaven's approval. And Jesus said, I am against you. They descended down the plains of mediocrity. Their first plus of ecstasy had passed. And the joy and the love was gone. And the lights were out. Have you fallen out of love with Jesus this morning? Now listen to me very carefully. How is that passion that you once had with Jesus? Do you still have it? Well, how about the fire that you once had with Jesus? Is it still there? Now, for many of us, we have fallen out of love with Jesus. Oh, I tell you, the furnace is still there, but the fire is gone out. And even as you sit here this morning, as you are listening this morning, you know that you know that there was a time in your life that you love Jesus more than you do right now at this very moment. Now you notice, it did not say you lost your first love. You can lose some accidentally, but the Bible says you have left it, left it. And the Greek word that was used here for left was stronger was strong. It literally means to abandon, to utterly forsake. He said, you have abandoned, you have utterly forsaken your first love. Many people are very busy being Christians that they have forgotten about the Lord. Did you hear me? Many, many people, many Christians are very busy, even pastors, if I might say, who are, have become very busy becoming a Christian that they have forgotten about the Lord. You can get so busy being Christian that you have forgotten the Lord. Now let me tell you a personal experience. When I was in Bible college for the first time, I was doing intensive Bible study. I mean, I was studying the Greek, the Hebrew, systematic theology in all of the Bible expo exposition courses. For the very first time, I was doing intensive Bible study, and you know what I have decided to do? I had to admit to you this morning. I said, well, I am doing my Bible study, and you have to, and you have to memorize these long verses, and all my homework was right here in the Bible. Okay, I said, I rationalized. I'm getting my time with the Lord. I said, if you get to memorize verses from the Bible, and you do your homework from the Bible. I said, I'm getting my time with the Lord. But you know what happened? I started getting cold, then a little colder, colder, then a little colder and colder and colder. And then it wasn't long, my brothers and sisters, before the light went out in my life, the joy was gone. The cutting edge in my preaching was gone. And as the Americans would say, everything has to be drummed up and mustered up. Because deep down inside, it was gone. And you could not tell externally. Oh, I was still preaching and teaching. I was still knocking at doors, going, going to my assigned church, winning souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Externally, I was doing all the things that I should be doing, doing great in school, and all these things were wonderful. But I want to tell you, inside me, there was a war zone that you wouldn't believe, and the joy was gone, and the lights went out. And you know what I found out? 
I found out that there is a whole lot of difference between reading and studying this book to pass the test and reading it to feed my soul. In during that school where I was being trained to preach the magnificent words of God, I have fallen out of love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it was a miserable experience. You see, folks, it is miserable to leave your first love. I believe that most, the most miserable person in Singapore this morning is not some lost person who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, but the most miserable person, I believe, in the city of Singapore today are some Christians, and maybe some of the Christians are sitting right now in the pews, who somewhere along the line has fallen out of love with Jesus. And you know, as you sit there this morning, that there was a time in your life, maybe three years ago, maybe five years ago, or maybe even 25 years ago, since you attended the New Beginning, the, the, the Living World Fellowship. But you know in your life that there was a time that you loved Jesus more than you do this morning. There was a time when Jesus had more of you. He had more of your time. He had more of your interest, more of your passion, more of your desire than he does right now. You see, there is such a thing as getting used to being saved. It is like getting married. They come down the aisles, people who are getting married, and stand before the pastor. And you look at the couple, oh, the love of the couple to each other. And you will see all of the sponsors, the, the bridesmen standing, standing there like queens, and the groomsmen standing there like penguins. And you look at the couple, oh, the love, you cannot even put, split them apart with a bulldozer. You don't have to talk. They just look at each other in the eye and, and what happened? They're full of love. They don't have to speak it out. When they sit down, they're always in the same seat. Oh, you know, because they are fully in love with each other. They go on into a honeymoon. And all oh, in the honeymoon, all oh, the love. But sometime a year later after honeymoon, a year later, sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes five, get used to being really in love. They get used rather to be in marriage. In the love that once existed, the fire that burns, they are not there anymore. In the little things that they do to each other, they do not do anymore. The little surprises, but they do each other, they are not doing it anymore. Maybe there was a time when the man, the husband, would just send flowers home every now and then from work. He didn't have to wait for birthdays, for Valentine's Day or Christmas. He just sent flowers just to say, honey, I love you and I'm thinking about you. But now he does not do it anymore. Or oh, there was a time when on that bathroom window, perhaps he will leave a little note, but now there are no notes anymore. Or there was a time when both of you, both of the couple would just cuddle each other in the couch and watch television show together. And now they are in the opposite side of the room. And you know why? Because romance packs its bag and leave. And somewhere along the line, someone realizes that the love is gone, is left, or the thrill, the joy is gone. The honeymoon is over, and they have left their first love. Now, as miserable and as tragic that is, when it happens to a man and wife, but I have come to you this morning to tell you that it is far worse when it happens between an individual and the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe Someone is sitting here this morning. You're listening to me. And you know that you know that the trail is gone, that you have left your first love. You got used to being saved. You got used to being a Christian. In the passion, in the fire that you once had with Jesus, where is it? You really don't have it anymore. Or maybe there was a time when you get early in the morning, 
to have a quiet time? You take your Bible and you would read and study. You think about what Jesus has done to you, but now you are too busy. You are too busy. There are many phone calls to return. There are many letters to write. There are too many sermons to prepare. There are too many songs that you've got to get ready to sing. You are too busy now that you've got no time for God anymore. But there was a time every now and then that you get, that you would just go to the park rather and sit down on the bench. You remember that? And just think about what God has done for you. Remember that? Especially those of you only have the once day off, once a month day off, you would sit down on the bench somewhere in the park and you start to think about Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. There was such a time like that. How is it right now? Just sit down and think about Jesus, what Jesus did for you in Calvary. You just sit down and say, Lord, thank you for helping me to be able to come over to Singapore. Thank you, please. Please, please preserve my family back home in the Philippines. And you would cry and tears would just run down your cheeks on that park somewhere at Orchard Road or Botanical Garden. But now, after, because you, there was a time that you have been praying also that, please God, give me every Sunday day off. And when the Lord answers your prayer, give you every Sunday day off, now you don't have time anymore. Or maybe there was a time that you just spend long hours in prayers, but you can hardly remember the last time that you spent one hour in prayer to God. Maybe there was a time you literally wept over lost people, I mean, uh, unsaved people who needed the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh no, not anymore. And you have, come so, you have become so busy that you have fallen out, fallen out of love with Jesus. Now I want you to listen to me again this morning. The, doing the king's business will never make up for neglecting the king. Did you hear me? Doing the king's business will never make up for neglecting the king. And I'm saying that to you because that's what I've learned all of this more than 40 years of ministry. Doing the king's business will never make up for neglecting the king. I have this particular illustration that would probably illustrate the point that I've just said to you. A father was wanting to have a date with her teenage girl. He said, uh, do you have time with me? I, I have saved my time. I come home early because I wanted us to go for a walk and have a discussion. The daughter would say, responding from her room, he would lock down her, herself in the room and said, Dad, I'm too busy. I'm doing something. So the father suspected that he might, she might be doing some kind of assignment. The following day again, the same thing. Father would go home early because he decided this time that he wanted to have abundant time with the Lord, beautiful time with the daughter. And said, daughter, are you there? Yes, dad. Can we go out, please, for a walk and have a wonderful time of fellowship together? But the daughter kept in answering, said, I, I don't have time, I'm busy that. That went on for a number of days. Then after that, on the birthday of the father, and during the celebration, the, 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 the daughter went out, uh, the daughter had a wonderful box and he opened the gift for the father and they gave it to the father. When the father opened the box, it was a beautiful sweater. And oh, the father said, thank you, daughter. And the daughter said, you know what, dad? That's what, that is the one that I've been, uh, I've been crocheting when I was in the room. Whenever you invited me to go for a walk, I said, I'm busy because I'm doing this in time for your birthday. And here it, here it is, dad. I'm so glad that you like it. And the father looked at the daughter and said, daughter, the sweater is fine and wonderful, and I'm going to wear it. But you know what, daughter? The most that I would want from you was what? Your time. You see, many of us have given our hands. We have given him our heads. But what he wants is our heart. 
Oh, we have given him the preaching ability. We have given him the teaching ability. We have given him minds in the, all of these things. We have given him tremendous voices. But what he wants is you, not much of your tithes in your offering. What the Lord wants is really, really you. I hope you understand that. Do you know what convicts me this morning? Do you know what moves my soul? You know what moves my soul this morning? I could stand here via Zoom with this recorded message and have all the preaching and finish my preaching and my message to you. And Jesus would point his finger to me after my preaching and says, but Sunday, I am against you because you have left your, you have left your first love. Do you, did you ever think about that Sunday school teacher? Do you think, did you ever think about that preacher? Did you ever think about that singer that you can do all and when you have finished what God does it does if Jesus saying, but I am against you. You don't love me the way you should. What does it do? Because the keen penetrating eyes of God looks deep inside you and says, oh, the love is not there anymore. You have left it. You no longer have time for God. You know the best, the best way to feel love? You know the best thing to feel love? T-I-M-E. Did you, did you listen? Did you hear me? The best thing to feel love, L-O-V-E, is T-I-M-E, time. What God does it does for a daddy when I say, I love you, my little boy, when I do not have time for my little boy. What, what God does it do when I say, I love you, Lydia, when I don't have time for her. What good, good does it do when you say, I love you, Jesus, when you do not have time for Jesus? The complaint of the Lord Jesus Christ to the church at Ephesus is that they have left their first love. They got no time for the Lord anymore as an individual. You know what? Maybe perhaps you are saying tonight, do you know when your heart is tonight, this morning? He's preaching to me. Do you know when your heart is this morning? He is not there. He is not there anymore. Do you know where your heart is this morning? Oh, his fire is out. And there was, there has been a warning in maybe a long time. You have known that there was a missing mark in your spiritual chain, but you haven't had time to fix it. Maybe for a long time you have been satisfied because you have been doing outwardly the things that you just had to do. But deep down inside, there was a void. The first step in any departure from the Lord, listen to me. The first step in any departure from the Lord is a departure from your first love experience. If there's anything that keeps a broken heart, from the Lord Jesus Christ is spending time alone with God. No one is lifted up in pride, in arrogance, and gets wrapped up in himself when he gets down with God. Oh, when you get alone with God, you will get up and say like Isaiah, Woe is me, I am undone. When you get close to Jesus, I tell you folks, you see yourself. So, you will notice that there was in the beginning the complaint of the Lord Jesus Christ, the complaint of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have left their first love. Now, what is his command? Now you will probably say, what do I do now, preacher? I've fallen out of love with Jesus. What do I do now, preacher? The joy is gone. The thrill is gone. What should I do, pastor? Here are three things that you will read in verse number five, as suggested by, by, by John himself that the, the vision believer should do. Verse number five, sister, remember where thou hast fallen. The great text that was used for remember was present tense. In a present tense, Greek verb means to keep on doing it. Remember, remember, remember is such a precious gift. Remember what propelled the prodigal son to go back home? 
He got down there in that pig pen. He started remembering the way it was to be back at his father's house. Moreover, he said, I'm going back. This lives it better than, than what I'm eating right now at my father's house. I'm going back. And, and you, you, you know what, you need, what happened to him? He went back because he remembered the way it was. I think that's what we need to do. You should remember the way it was when you were first in love with Jesus. You know what Jesus was saying to me? Remember Sunday, the time when you were in Bible college? Do you remember the time you would wake up at the middle of the night while all of your classmates are sleeping, but you will get out anyway at the chapel and pray and wrestle with me about your future? And I said, Lord, yeah, I remember those days. Do you remember the time when you were doing your Christian services in one of the homes of your teachers? Remember the time when you were, you would, you would take a rest under the bamboo tree and under that bamboo tree, you would have fellowship with me. Do you remember the time you would spend hours with me wanting and praying to be like me? Remember the time when you were about to graduate that you spent time praying where I want you to do, where you, I want you to be. I said, yes, Lord, I remember all these beautiful memories that we had. I remember the time you sent me to Bible school. Yes, Lord, I will do anything to go back and spend again that time with you. And that is, I believe, what couples should do also when they have lost their love, when they become already just roommates to each other. Remember those honeymoon days. Remember the joy. Remember the romance that you want to have. Remember the time when you were on fire with Jesus. Remember the time when you were in love with Jesus. Remember the fire at first, at your first the fire of your first conversion. Remember the time when you were obsessed with Jesus. Remember, remember. And then the next command is do. Go back and do what you need to do. Remember your, the time when you would open the Bible and pray and meditate. Remember. And then after that, repent and do. That's it. So now the, the, the command of the Lord Jesus Christ is to remember and and then after that you do, you go back and then repent. It's very interesting because what I what I was looking at the word that was used for repent here. It's it's the Greek word for metanoia. Metanoia means what? To go into an opposite direction. If you are facing that, facing that way, to repent, totally turn around and go back to the go to a different direction. And that's what you need to do. You repent of what you are doing right now. Don't do it anymore. Totally drop it down and go back to what you have been doing in the beginning when you are Christian, when you are so in love with God. When you are so in love with Jesus, you know what you have been doing? As, every, as is the case of many of those who are newly converted, oh, they get excited. They, they will be very happy going to church and they are happy sharing the gospel to other people. That's what you need to do. And so they, this is the study that we have come to learn right now, brothers and sisters. And I'm so glad that I got this opportunity to share with you that we should not only, all of the previous characteristics that we should be uh, a serving church, we should be a steadfast church, we should be a separated church is all wonderful. That that is what the church should be. But I hope that that is not only the outward thing that God would say, but inside of us, we have not lost that first love. We continue on loving the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But for those of you who is listening to me right now, and you know that you know that you have lost your first love, the fire is gone anymore. It's gone. And I'd like you to go back. It's not yet late. Go back and rekindle that fire that you once had and continue moving forward for the kingdom of God. I'd like you to open your Bibles in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And this is the prayer of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. And I, I am praying that this will be also my prayer to all of you 
the Living Word Fellowship. I, I trust and hope that this will happen to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15, all the way to verse number 23. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Ephesians, and this is my prayer to you also as we close this message this morning. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray that you constantly, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with gifts so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who, who, are, rich, who, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at, in place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he is far above any rulers or authority or power or leader or anything, not only in the world, but also in the world form. God has put all things under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, has made him head over all the things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills things everywhere with himself. That's my prayer for all of you. God bless you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity that I'm able to share the good news to, uh, to my brothers and sisters back in Singapore. You know how, how wonderful are the memories that I have with them. But I pray, Lord, those who have been with me, that they will continue to remain strong in this church, Lord. Those who have been with me for the past 25 years, I pray, Lord, that the Living Word Fellowship in Singapore will continue to thrive. I pray, Lord, that all ever are involved in the ministry, that they will join hand in hand, O oh Lord, together in serving you for the kingdom of God. But I pray also, as we have learned this morning, that they will not be doing the things only outwardly, mechanically, but they will do it things because they are on fire for the Lord. I pray that the fire of God in their souls will remain kindled and strong as they continue to serve you. May your anointing remain, continue to remain awan into all of the leadership of the Living Word Fellowship. I pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy 25th anniversary Living Word Fellowship. I, I was hoping that I, that it would have been different. I wanted to be there personally. That's actually what have been my desire. Maybe I will come this time visit you because it quite, it's been quite some time that I not visit Singapore. I have a number of friends there also are pastors, but uh, the Lord has its wonderful plan. But I'm so glad and thrilled that although this is the manner by which I'm able to speak to you, I'm so happy really deep inside me. And I'm so happy and glad that you're able to listen to me. And I pray that all of us will remain strong, will persevere till Jesus comes. Blessings, Baboy, Living World Fellowship, Majula, Singapore. All right. I hope that the blessing of the Lord will continue to remain upon your life, each one of you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love Amen. you. Love you all. God Praise bless you. the Bye -bye. Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. I know that the, the word of God spoke to all our hearts and it's time for us to just respond and just open our heart to the Lord. Lord, have my heart, my man means my heart, Lord, have fallen away, have become cold. And it's a timely message for us as we enter the team of discipleship. It all begins in returning to his first love. And let's just respond in worshiping Him and offering our hearts to the Lord and say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. 
place our hands and receive the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We thank you for the message we have received today. May it convict our heart. May we respond in remembering, in repenting, and returning to you with all our heart, mind, and soul. Bless us this week, and we may experience more of your love, more of your power, and more of your word in our lives. Salamat, Panginoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Thank you all that have joined us today. Thank you those who have joined us in Facebook and in YouTube. Hopefully you can join us in our worship service. We have our morning service started na po. And hopefully you can book us. Uh, do join us next week as we receive the word from our senior pastor, Pastor Jerry Madarang. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us.